stacking them deep, selling them cheap. That tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking panics. All right, guys, welcome back to a rain-delayed Talladega edition Stacking Pennies. This is going to be a good show, Merriman. I'm with my good friend, Jonathan Merriman, Mr. Ice Cold, Blue Mountain Takes. How you doing? A little soggy? Still, my toes are still a little pruney, but you know what? My buddy got in victory lane, so it's a good day all around. We got Mr. Chuck Bush on the mic. I am amped up today because that was a heck of a finish at Talladega. You sold me with your emotion. <laughs> well, I think for about 25 guys, it's a little bit anticlimactic. But for one guy in particular who will be joining us on the show here shortly, it was anything but. So, and I'm also, I don't want to last but not least, Mr. Pit Road Boats and Woes Analyst, Ryan Flores. Uh, your Talladega neighbor. Yep, he was pitted behind us. Luckily, I wasn't able to take out his ankles and or shins. If I heard one more joke about you hitting me, you were over it too. Yeah. Yeah, like everybody's like, oh, why just wipe your buddy Flores out? <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't want to hit my friend. I'd rather hit somebody I don't know. <laughs> I don't have to deal with it. Yeah, like if I don't, if I hit somebody I don't know, like I don't have to go over to their house and explain to his wife why he looks like Lieutenant Dan. I say, wouldn't it be worse, though, if it was somebody you didn't know and you got to go explain to their wife why they look like Lieutenant Dan? No, like, no, because I don't have to be friends with that person. I have to be friends with Ryan. I feel like I'd feel worse. Like if I didn't, hey, but look, look at it. Look at it this way. Look at it this way. You could you could do it and then not be friends with him, and it'd save you money at Christmas. Well, our ladies are friends. None of that happened. I did not wipe my good friend Boats and Woes Analyst out. Big weekend down there in Talladega. It was kind of wild. It was the weekend of the underdogs for and first time winners. Now, Tate Fogelman, who I don't think. Many listeners have ever heard of him. He's been around for a little while, super late mile kid. His dad, Jay Fogelman, was a big-time super late mile guy back in the day, so don't uh, let that go unassumed. He won the Truck Series race, first-time winner, obviously, and then he turned around in a darkness-shortened Xfinity Series race, give Brandon Brown the winner. Now, that guy was pumped up. And I don't know if any of y'all saw my interview Sunday morning during rain delay. I had to point out, Chuck, did you witness this real time? When he took this Larry Lemonade in victory lane, full-on college dude, like beaver front teeth into the can. <laughs> Unbelievable. My two front teeth would have been like pink, pink, right in the middle of victory lane. But Brandon Brown's teeth are apparently superhuman. Uh, I mean, it was pretty impressive. Can you repeat that sound effect? Which one? Pink, pink. That one. That one. That one. I, I, I missed it. I, I was officiating a wedding in Charleston uh, towards the end of the Xfinity race, so I missed the actual finish. Hang on. So Hang on. I apologize. Hang on. Yeah. Are you ordained, too? <laughs> Not really. It's just the uh, the Church of the Dude. You can find it online. You know, the dude abides from the Big Lebowski. There's a whole thing at that. It wasn't a legal wedding. I mean, they were already legally married. I was just doing the ritualistic ceremony. Robes and shit. Phony. Um, I don't really want to dig into that too much. I'm a little bit scared. But... A lot to unpack. Yeah. Man of many talents. <laughs> Let's go back to Talladega. I'm sure there was, and I'm sure there was some uh, provocative stuff going on at that wedding, as also there is always on Talladega Boulevard. Merriman, do you hear any stories of anything that happened on Talladega Boulevard? Man, I go to bed early, and uh, I wake up early. I don't, I don't dig into Talladega Boulevard. I've, I've partaken in Talladega Boulevard in the past. I've seen what goes on there. I'm a father of two girls. I, uh, I'd rather just forget about that. <laughs> but I, I will say this. I have, I have ventured down to Talladega Boulevard with Jonathan Merriman 
And I think I've run into you, Corey, on the boulevard. I've seen you down there. I've run into uh, fans of the other podcast that's on NASCAR.com, Glass Gates of Emotion. Yes, it gets debaucherous the later you go in the evening, but it is a good time if you can ride that sort of ragged edge of like going too far into partying. If you're right there on the cusp of it, it is a good time. The best thing about Talladega Boulevard is about eight or nine o'clock the next morning. Yeah. yeah. And just the bodies that are just passed out in lawn furniture. I want to get that sunrise shot of the sun coming up over somebody passed out in a lawn chair with like a beer still sitting on their chest as the sun just sort of crests over the can. It looks like a Saturday morning sunrise on one, on the battlefield of a Civil War reincarnation. <laughs> You'd be in uniform. That's the only thing that's missing. <laughs> I'm sure that's been there too. That is the first thing we do when we land every Sunday. When we land there, we get in the car and hook up left through the, we call it the Jeffrey Earnhardt Tunnel, the new tunnel they put yeah. in, and we hook a left. Why do you call it the Jeffrey Earnhardt Tunnel? Because, man, that's what we've named it. <laughs> we love Jeffrey Earnhardt. He's Jeffrey Earnhardt's. My, as friendly as you and I are, our, my tire carrier is best friends with Jeffrey Earnhardt. We have dubbed it Jeffrey Earnhardt Tunnel. Don't know why. They should name it that. That being said, go through the Jeffrey Earnhardt Tunnel, hook a left, and drive down the boulevard at a, about two-mile-an-hour pace just to see the damage it's done. And it's never, never fails. 10 out of 10 recommend stopping by the boulevard if you're in town. Now, it's hard to explain to everybody how Talladega is like its own little town. I mean, there's over 100,000 people on the compound of Talladega Super Speedway over the course of the weekend, and they are all hanging out on Friday night, Saturday night. So one of my favorite places to go race, one of my favorite – and I think one of the fans' favorite to go spectate because it does provide all sorts of action. And I thought that the action – Cup race was pretty good. It was fairly tame until we got to halfway and we started some wrecks, seeing some wrecks pop up. And out of nowhere, our dear friend Bubba Wallace finds himself out front when the rain started to come. I thought it was interesting, Corey and Flores. I don't know if, if you guys went back and listened to Brad's TV interview, but Brad said he waited too long, right? So the hard thing about Talladega is figuring out when you're racing the rain, when the rain's going to come and balancing, you've got 39 idiots behind you that are ready to wreck at each moment. So Bubba raced his way to the front pretty aggressively, made it there, did a really good job keeping guys behind him. But, you know, you, you just don't know when to make that move because there's no, you don't know where the finish line is in that scenario. Don't let it get lost. The Bubba is one of the most aggressive guys on a speedway. He led multiple laps at the 500. He was strong at Talladega. Every speedway race this year, he has been strong and in contention to win. And, yes, to Brad's point, he wished he went a little bit like he waited too long to go. That's the case for the 36 other guys that were waiting and kind of waiting to time to jump, like jam in the pack. Once I realized in the first stage that my car was only good enough to get to about the sixth or seventh car – in the bottom lane or per lane, which was usually right about where the middle of the wreck is. I elected to drop back, miss a couple wrecks, and wait for the third stage to engage the pack and just race the entire third stage because the information that I was given in the car was that the rain was biased and it wasn't coming. So I was content to ride to the third stage and then jam it up in there at least for the last however many laps the third stage is. But Bubba was aggressive all day. He got himself in position with three to go. The uh, – the rain started coming down in like this weird sheet-like fashion over just turned one and two. It was raining. Everywhere else was dead dry. And then 
You know what really pisses me off, Chuck? What's that? Is all these people, I mean, people, social media in general pisses me off. But in this particular instance, when you have the freaking guys from the peanut gallery saying that they could have got it started and this is that and that is this. No, no. It downpoured after they called it. Like, dirt downpoured. So NASCAR really and truly made the right call. They probably made it an hour too late because we could have been on the plane going home by then. Once you lose the track completely at Talladega, it takes, what, three hours to drive? Two. Even two. Two, two and a half, three hours-ish. Even with the jet with the jet drivers and the Air Titan, like, it – it takes a while because it's so big. It's so massive. So that's it's the thing. It's 2.66 miles, and that thing is like four back roads stacked up high. So times 2.66 times four, that's how much asphalt you got to drive. And you know what? We got a guest coming in, but I want to say this. This is the first time in NASCAR history that we've had three different first-time winners at the same track. And I think it's time to welcome one of those guys in. Let's get them. All right, guys, we are with the man of the hour. You do not want to know the strings I had to pull to get this guy on. I had to trade a couple of bottles of whiskey, a couple of appearances. But nonetheless, we got my dear friend, Mr. Bubba Wallace, the big Talladega winner on Stacking Pennies. How are you doing today? Day removed from being your first time cup winner. Ah, uh, I'm struggling. We had a good time last night. Kind of surreal, dog. I mean, we've raced against each other since we were 10 years old. And so, you know, you, you know what it's like when you get to that moment and you're able to capitalize on it. It's just, you know, I find myself thinking about it like, no way, this really just happened, you know? And so just super proud, thankful, uh, very humbling. So I text you, and I'm sure you had an influx of text messages and DMs and all sorts of support from me over the last couple of hours. But I text you, I don't know, a little bit ago, I said, how does it feel? And you said, it hurts. And I'm like, I'm not talking about your liver. I want to know, like, how it feels to get the, like, the weight off your shoulders of a little bit of that expectation to get that 23 car in victory lane like just how does it feel yeah no it's it's definitely it's it's a massive weight uh lifted off and and you know i had talked about it in an interview yesterday i was counting my races until i was done i know i got a contract through next year but you know that's just how kind of i don't know if that's just being dumb hard on myself or just you know whatever but i was like well i got next year and if i don't really do anything then i'll probably be out you know, and, and so does this win prolong my career? Hopefully. But if, if they cut me tomorrow, I'd be like, you know what? I went out as a winner. I'm good. And so that pressure is off. The burden that I carry now is winless in the Xfinity series. And that, I, that kills me to this day. You know, I want to, I want to, you know, go out and accomplish that. So um, man, just, just enjoying the moment, you know, knowing that we won is just, it's hard to describe dog. Take me through like a little bit of like a consolidated timeline from the time we pull in under caution, right? You see the rain coming down. The forecast doesn't look good, right? When I, I change, I'm like, this thing's over. It's raining. Like yeah. people are laughing because I'm in my street clothes. I'm like, no, dog, like it's over. It's a wrap. Let's get out of the plane and go home. <laughs> from that time to the time when they announced it in the pit box, I'm sure you talked to MJ somewhere in there. You come yeah. home, like what's the night after that look like? Yeah, you know, I was just being really like realistic in, in that moment. And I was like, man, it's we still got 71 laps to go. And yeah, I knew time was, you know, of the essence, but I didn't want to I didn't want to rush it. I'm a big believer. If you don't talk about it, it won't happen. And so I didn't want to just jinx it because like 
every time like I have a tire vibration or something wrong with a car, like a flat spot of tire, you know, or a loose wheel, I, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to bring it to life. Just let it settle. <laughs> and usually we get away with it. And so I was just like keeping a cool head. And uh, when we announced it or when they, had, they officially called it, you know, just static through the roof. Uh, I didn't get to talk to MJ until I landed. Uh, the best part is I drove down. I drove down uh, Saturday night and I was like, damn, I kind of want to party. And so I asked my bus driver, I was like, hey, man, you think we can find somebody to drive my car back? And he was like, I've already been working on that. I'm like, my man, heck yeah. So uh, I landed at about, I think, 8.45, 9 o'clock. And uh, Amanda had, had set up everything at the house. It was super cool. Had a lot of family and friends over. Just a heck of a night. Great time. Just it, what was the best is having the team there. Because I want to say that 95% of the team, it was their first win. So that's pretty damn cool. A lot of them guys came on your 23 car from the LFR team yeah. as well. So, yeah, to your point, I'm sure that was the first time that a lot of them get victory lane. Yeah. What does it mean, though, for you and your family to be the first African-American since 1963? There's only been one other one. Wendell Scott won in Jacksonville, Florida. What's yeah. it mean for all the family, all the friends that have supported you over your entire career to get in victory lane, not just for yourself but for everybody? Yeah, it's – man – you know, I never think about those things until, you know, it's, it's settled in place after the fact. And it's just, it's, it's mind boggling that it's been that long. And, you know, I think this definitely moves the needle for our sport and, and the direction we want to, you know, continue to go and, and grow. But, and you just, for me, I just go out and I just want to be the same as, as anybody else out there, go race against each other, piss a couple people off, give you the middle finger about every lap and uh, just, just, just have a good time, but I know it's not that easy and that, you know, I, I will always be, you know, the first since Wendell Scott, you know, in a, in a lot of different categories and, and I'm comfortable talking about that. You know, it needs to be talked about because I mean, since 1968, like you said, it's, uh, it's just crazy. So it's just a uh, part of the deal. So I got a couple more for you, but I'm always interested to know, like, like when when you see guys like Lewis Hamilton shout you out on Instagram, when you see like this support from athletes that you know you you've made connections with or have some sort of connection to your career, like is there any sort of like starstruckness or like like when somebody tweets you out or something like that, somebody that you'd expect that's uh, it's pretty big time? Yeah, no, no doubt. You know, I, I had actually gotten off my main pages uh, on social media uh, for a few months now, and I'll, I'll check in just to either if I need to send out a tweet or, or whatnot, but, but so I used to care about that stuff a lot and like, man, hell yeah. Lewis Hamilton, you know, LeBron James reached out last year and stuff. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and it still is, you know, you, I appreciate all the support uh, that I get from athletes and just from hell, your regular ass human being. That's, I mean, that's all we are at the end of the day, just seeing the support because hell at the racetrack, I'm sometimes P one or P two for the most booze at the track now. And, and, I know there's a lot more good fans out there than what you hear, but the boos are the loudest, you know, but, uh, but man, it was, it was cool being able to shut some of them up yesterday. I was debating on bringing it up, but you did. Uh, so I wanted to talk about it and ask you about it. It rubs me the wrong way to hear sometimes how you are greeted by the fans during introductions. Mm -hmm. Really and truly like you're a human being, like you said, like we just get to have cool ass jobs and ride around on TV all day. Yeah. How did it make you feel getting a certain, you know, level of booze that may or may not have been earned, right? It's like, it's not like you 
gone out there and done certain things to warrant some of the places that we go to it pisses me off the way that you're you know like accepted by the fans so like and I, and you might say that it doesn't affect you, but I know you well enough to say that it does. So how do you compartmentalize that and keep keep digging forward? No, no, it definitely affects me. But you know, the, the the good part about it is you get you sign a hell of a deal with Beats by Dre, and you put some earbuds in, and you're good. You don't hear that shit. <laughs> but you know, it's it's tough because I I have lost touch with the fans since everything that went on at Talladega last year. You know, I've I quickly realized like, all right, these people that they they don't want me here, so why why am I gonna waste my energy on them so you know i'm when i when i when i get to intros i just some can call me an, an asshole or, or whatnot but it's just like why why i'm not gonna waste my energy on you so i'm just gonna be there walk across stage show no emotion and stay focused on what i need to do i mean yeah the booze suck i mean i remember in 2019 i got the most cheers because i'd wrecked the guy that gets booed the most Flat out wrecked in Milwaukee's Lynn, direct Kyle Bush. And and now, now I'm getting booze for being a human being. And Kyle gets booed because, you know, bad attitude sometimes and, and whatnot. But that's, you know, that, that's who he is. And for me, you know, I'm standing up for what's right in this world and trying to make this sport a better place. And now I get booed for it. So it's uh, it's definitely on a more personal level. That's okay because I know now that I got to win, you know, I, I'm good. I'm, I'm set. I know that this isn't where – ultimately the end of your road is, and you and I both know, you know, that the goals that you have set out for yourself as well as what 23XI is trying to build, what is those next steps now that that one box of getting a W is checked? What are some things now you can almost look at checking some boxes from now into the future? Yeah, I think, you know, just going to the racetrack with confidence now and, you know, running, you know, where I was last couple of years, you know, you just, it was hard to bring that confidence. I mean, hell, you've lived it too. And it's, it's like, Man, it's so tough to go out and compete when you know you're just going to get your you know your teeth kicked in, and um, and so it's funny. I go I go in Talladega, and then damn, we got the roll next. Nothing like a good humbling uh, <laughs> punch in the gut. <laughs> so man, I'm going to go kick Roval's ass. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to I'm going to do it. So I'm excited to go to the racetrack and just feel that confidence, feel that 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 uh, momentum. Um, we talk about that so important to feel that and to enjoy that. So it's pretty cool. That's good stuff. Uh, anybody who's just listening, I'm sitting in a suite here at the Canapolis Cannonballer Stadium looking over the outstretched kickball field to pan into the outfield. We can talk about the win all you want to, but if you ain't winning tomorrow, dog, you ain't winning nothing. So how are you and the team prepared to come out for battle tomorrow afternoon? Uh, well, I, hopefully I'm going to be able to make tomorrow now with this win. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely be at the celebrity game. We're, we're trying to get things moved around for the schedule, but dude, my team is stacked. I went for a muscle, just <laughs> muscle bound, just big legs. That's all you do squats. We need that. You do squats. You're hired. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, but I got a good squad, so I'm excited about it. It'll be a good deal. I'm, I'm excited just to be there, help with your deal. It's, it's, it'll be, it'll be for a good cause for sure. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm excited to have you yeah. out. But, but before you go, every one of our guests, we ask three would-you-rather questions. Okay. And they seem to come up better when I don't prepare for them whatsoever. So let me just think about it. For me. Love that. Would you rather go back in time and give me that $20 for gas money again or give me $20 worth of Bitcoin? Oof. Or which one I, I probably should would I rather have taken $20? Yeah, that's more of would you rather. <laughs> yeah, I would rather the Bitcoin now. 
Yeah. And you still owe me gas money. <laughs> All right. That was a terrible one. Number two is usually related to food. So would you rather eat three Big Macs before the Southern 500? You have to eat three, like before you get into the car. Like they won't let you get in until you finish the last bite uh, of your third Big Mac or five large fries. Ed, pick one of the two. I would go with five extra large fries. Oh, I don't know if you'd make it. I don't know. I, I just can't do the Big Macs. If you gave me like the 50 piece nuggets versus the fries, like I'm more of a nuggets guy. All right. Big nugget guy. Big nugget. Big nugs. Last, last one. If you had to pick one car from any era and one track to race that for the rest of your life, what do you pick? Um, what is it? The Gen 5 steel body stuff? Is that was Gen? Yeah. Yeah. The last, the last twisted up bodies, cup cars. Yeah. Yeah. Twisted sister. What track? Hmm. Man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I look at like Dover or something, probably big horsepower. Get to experience that. Just get there my ass kicked. Oh, just out to lunch. <laughs> every time I'm there, literally every time I race at Dover about lap, you know, cause they're 400 laps about lap yeah. 300. I'm always like, I can't believe these guys race 500 laps here. I would not make <laughs> it's it. Nuts. God, nuts. God. So that's when men used to be men. Now we're a bunch of pansies out here riding around every Sunday. But you, sir, was the least pansy of us all this weekend at Talladega. So, again, congratulations. Thank you for jumping on Stacking. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. I'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy. Love you. Deserve it. Love you, brother. Later. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi. Checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All right, it's time, guys. For your favorite segment, you love to hear it after talking to our good friend Bubba Wallace. Pit Road Boats and Woes, my good friend Ryan Flores, front changer for Brad. Kislowski, also my Talladega pit box neighbor. He was behind us. How was your day? Our day was good. We did finish second to Bubba. It was kind of crazy how the the ending worked out there. Everybody was kind of racing back to the stage, and then the wreck happened. Uh, we all knew that we probably weren't going to go back green after that stage, but 
it was good, man, to come out of there with stage points in both stages and a, and a P2 finish. You were nice and courteous to us, pitting second time by, so we didn't have to run each other over. You did You did almost have a big whoa. The three car missed his box and just stopped. You did a good job missing him. That's a hairy pit road, and everybody's on it. You saw the you know, the nine car almost hit a hit a car that was quite a bit further back. It, you, you see that a lot. Guys like you that are kind of hanging out in the back will just pit second time by. Saves you, saves the other cars around you. Let me, let me explain why you see more issues there because guys aren't taking four, right? It's like if, if Chase Elliott's running third and I'm running 22nd, by the time he pits, puts four five seconds of fuel in to make it to the end of the stage, he's already coming back out of his box. Just the timing of how quick the stops are when guys aren't putting four tires on or needing a full tank is where you get gummed up. The three misses box. I just had to like come to a stop like, you don't want to hit anybody because if you dent your fender, knock your quarter panel out, every little speck of damage on your car is just knocking a ton of speed out. Another thing that needs to be said there is it's the, one of the fastest pit roads that we run, you know, 55 miles an hour, and you have the worst brakes that you're going to run all year. So the closing rate, if somebody does pull out in front of you, you're not going to, you know, the, the chances of missing them is pretty, pretty bad. And that pit road is very tight for a two and a half mile track. So that's why you see a lot of woes happen there on pit road they look like you're crawling on pit road because you're going 200 miles an hour on the racetrack, but it's like going from 60 miles an hour trying to stop and pull into your driveway, you know, in, in the fastest way possible with, to your point, they have a smaller OD rotors have the smallest calipers you can get just to save weight and rotate weight for the Talladega. So you're going 59.8 miles an hour on pit road trying to stop. And you've got guys coming out of, out of the box and this and that. It's definitely one of the craziest times on pit road. But luckily, we didn't have a woe, but there were a couple of woes of the week that you had going into this. Which two woes were the worst? I think the nine car would have been the worst if they collided with the 51. They did lose some spots there. And then you look at uh, the four car probably losing some track position. They were kind of leading that Ford train. They came down. They they won the race off pit road, but uh, seemed to knock a valve stem off the left rear, which is which is such a, you can't like, that's a big trap, right? Especially in playoff races. If you cut the jack, you know, as your rear changers, you know, swinging for his fifth nut and that gun gets in the spoke that the valve stems in it knocks the inner outer valve stem out of it. You know, you, you got to come back and that, that, you know, you dump all your track position. It's hard to get back, especially when you're leading that Ford train. Cause you get, you kind of end up on the tail end of the Ford train again. You don't want to jump all those guys. So that was a touch, tough situation for them. Um, even though they did bust everybody's ass on pit road, they did have to have to come back down. Something else is a trap. I've always wondered, like, I know what I do during rain delays and what I do when we turn around and come back the next day. Like I'm eating all the junk food in the trailer. I'm wasting time. I'm on Twitter, Instagram when it's up. It wasn't up this weekend, so I don't know what I was fiending. Uh, but like, what do you guys do? And like, how hard is it to stay locked in? When you come back another day, all the stuff's kind of soggy. You're, you're kind of smelly from sweating in your fire suit the day before. Like, it's a little bit odd having a race on a Monday afternoon. How do you get in the zone? Our pickup, Dre Gallahan, he's, he was a jack man for 15 years, you know, and he said, he sent a text message us the night before and said, hey, look, make sure your clock, you know, you make sure you're tapped in. I know that the, the forecast doesn't look very good, but don't ship the day in right away thinking that it's going to rain because you see people do that, right? They get there. They're a little bit lax on their pit box setup. It's raining, so they're not uh, going through their normal checklist, and all of a sudden it dries up and you're racing, and you've been dragging your feet all day because you kind of cash the day in. It's the biggest trap in our sport as far as, like, pit crew guys go, and then you come back from a rain delay the next day. 
all your stuff. You have to go through a whole different checklist to make sure all your stuff is good. Your lug nuts aren't going to fall off. Um, if you re-glue or don't re-glue, your pit box isn't destroyed from the rain overnight. We broke up in the middle of the night, um, and there was a cell. Like looked at it, looked at my phone. There was a cell over top of the track, just dumping down on all. So we got there, and the pit boxes were soaking wet. I think they dumped about 15 gallons of water off the top of yours next to us. So you just try to get all that gone. Make sure that all your stuff is done right. Your bottles haven't leaked down overnight. You made sure you shut them off. Like that's the type of stuff when the rain when the rain starts coming, it kind of turns into social hour and, and snacking hour, you know. And you really have to stay diligent to make sure that you don't cost your team, you know, because because you looked something you you know you looked over something and you're out of your routine, you know. So. That is a big deal, and preparation will be key this weekend as well. So we talked about it last week. Pit stops don't necessarily win you a race at Talladega because strategies vary so much, and you're sometimes taking no tires, lefts, rights, twos, can only. But it can lose you a race. Now we're going to a place at the Roval, road courses you're putting four on every time, no questions asked, where a place you could win the race on pit road. You could jump three, four spots, a couple rows. Uh, how much – of a different uh, mentality do you have going from tires that have double interliners at Talladega? So you have interliners there. You don't have interliners at a place like Charlotte. The wheels are tighter. You can, or lighter. You can kind of throw them around a little bit, maybe have a little quicker pace. What's the difference mentality going in this weekend? Yeah. The tires that you run at Talladega, you know, in Daytona are bigger, you know, to, to pull them and roll them around the pit box. There's definitely a, dip, a different type of manipulation that you get to, to try to move those around. How much more do they weigh? I don't know, say that they're probably 25 pounds heavier, you know, I, I would guess with the interliner and everything. How much total? I think that like where everybody always says they're 90 pounds. I don't think they're about 65 to 70 pounds um, without the interliners and maybe 50 with, or without the interliners and maybe 65 or 70 with the interliner. But it's a, it's a quite a big difference for, you know, pulling the tire and the carriers, the way that, the way that you're able to do that. The thing here is you have the same camber on both sides. So maybe the, maybe the way that you pull the left front is a little bit different. You'll see a lot of tires getting stuck inside fenders, the droop, um, they kind of run a lot more rebound and shocks here. You see a lot of teams do that. You, you want to prepare for this race, especially if you're one of the 12 guys that are trying to stay above the elimination line. You, you want to make sure that you keep your guy in the race all day, right? You're not going here to be a superhero. If maybe you're, you know, the last, maybe if you're Alex Bowman, you go there and you you guys are more aggressive. But if you're us or, or other teams that are above the elimination line, you're making sure that you keep your guy in the race all day and you're, you're gain or maintain on pit road attitude. You don't want to ship the car out with a loose wheel. You don't want to drop it early and you don't want to, you don't want to have any penalties. It's going to be crazy the way it works out because you're going to have to race your race. And there's going to be a lot of guys that are either flipping stages if they're not going going for stage points they'll they'll pit you know with three to go on the stage then when you pit at the stage break because you have the race for stage points they'll jump you on the track and you'll be on a little bit different strategies you're going to have to eat that early on in the race if you're one of these guys that's still in the playoffs so uh it'll be interesting to see as the race progresses what how that shakes out the two car hasn't been strong on the road courses so we were talking about how brad was helping get a strong run at talladega which he did in a runner up place finish now he's plus 20 to that elimination line does it change how Jeremy Bowens calls the race? Does it change how Brad drives the race, knowing that he's got a sl not a big one, but a slight bit, a little bit more of a cushion than he expected? You know, I think that if you are, you know, you're in a way better spot than someone that's 20 points below the line. 
So obviously it changes your approach. You're not going to be probably as aggressive as you would be if you were the last car. You know, if you're 12th right now, as you are being fourth, but you're going to have to protect your mission all day and make sure that you maximize stage points because there's no point, there's, there's no doubt that at some point in the race, especially after that last stage, strategies are going to flip and there's going to be cars that are split, right? Cars that take four, cars that don't, cars that can't get back to the field. There's going to be cars that wreck and take themselves out of it. You just want to be on the forefront of that. It's three races in one, right? It's the first stage, the second stage, and then the finish of the race. So I think that all these guys in the round of 12 definitely approach it that way. For sure. Got anything else for pit rub boats and wells going to the roll this weekend? Ready to go. Good thing with our Xfinity car, we're locked in. So we can go for the win with that. We can be aggressive. So, uh, so yeah, it's going to be a fun weekend at the Roval. I hope it stays dry. As long as there ain't no woes in the kickball team, because you're on my team. And if you suck, you're going to be riding cheeks on pine the rest of the day. I can promise you that. I've done a lot of things on the kickball field, but sucking ain't ever been one of them. So let's go. <laughs> let's go. There you have it. Pit rub boats and woes, Mr. Ryan Flores. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. All right, guys, we're back with the eNASCAR segment, refreshed by Coca-Cola, and we are here with the championship contender with no other than Logan Clampett, driving for Mr. William Byron Esports, man. You're going to Texas for the championship race. How do you feel about it? Uh, feeling pretty good. We've turned about uh, probably about 1,500 laps so far, so hopefully uh, it'll be all worth it. Hang on a second. 1,500 laps? 1,500 laps. It's $100,000 for the championship. One race. I'll probably be doing the same thing. Now, let me ask you an, ob an obvious question. Do you have a girlfriend? I do not have a girlfriend. That makes complete sense. Um, <laughs> I wish you luck. Now, this is how it could work, though. If you make 1,500 laps, you'll probably make, I don't know, 2,000 by the end of this thing. If you win 100 grand, that ups your chances to get a girlfriend astronomically, doesn't it, Merriman? Hey, look, the winnings are, are built in. He's guaranteed 10 grand at least. That's enough for a, a, a movie date and some popcorn. At least. <laughs> so how do you like your chances? I mean, 1,500 laps is so many. Now, are, is that with group? Are you dialing your setup in for dirty air, for clean air, single car runs? Like, what do you concentrate on making that many practice laps? 
right now uh we're just focusing on single car runs and then eventually we'll kind of get a pack test together with all of our teammates and then we'll start to focus on dirty air explain to the listeners and honestly myself you when you say teammates you're not talking about your william byron esports teammates you're talking about a whole nother set of teammates where you guys are sending setups to each other that are you had teams before you were hired to drive in the iRacing series. Correct. So I'm on a team called Team Conti with uh, Nick Ottinger, my William Byron Esports teammate, and then Michael Conti, who's on Junior Motorsports, and then Matt Busa, who was on this podcast, who's on Mode Motorsports with uh, Kyle Long. Uh, and then we have, you know, if we do need like a pack test, a bigger pack, we have our crew chiefs and spotters as well that can kind of join in. But we've been like a group for a few years now they were together since like 2018 and I joined in kind of like early 2019 and we've just kind of just stuck it out ever since even with kind of like the esports teams the NASCAR NASCAR teams coming along just like doing like two uh drivers each on on their teams so being from California you moved to Charlotte now you're roommates so one of the with one of the guys you just mentioned and Mike Conti who drives for Junior Motorsports you made the move to Charlotte looking for some more opportunities in motorsports. How hard is it to make a transition from what you're doing as an uber successful iRacer? How do you make that transition into getting some shots, whether that be in a Legends car or late model? How do you parlay that into something, you know, in, in real life? Uh, it's definitely difficult. I've personally um, never, like, tested an oval asphalt car. I've tested a Dirt Focus Midget and a Global mx5 cup car out in california when i was out there obviously you know i feel like you do need the money when i was younger you know my parents they weren't really involved in racing i was kind of the one that got interested in nascar and kind of got them into it so they didn't really know how everything worked out and you know just kind of like hopped on i racing and i mean this is kind of like you know it, it would be cool to test drive at least uh an oval uh, asphalt car in real life because i've tested you know on dirt and uh, on road uh, obviously you know they're not high horsepower cars but there's something you know it's cool to you know get a little bit of experience in uh, it's probably you know pretty difficult uh without like any any you know backing like sponsorship or your own money merriman i know you cover this stuff each and every week how do you like logan's chances going from finishing runner-up in the championship in 2017 to be able to take that hundred grand in the big trophy this year. Look, I mean, Texas is is going to be a different animal, right? And and I think the the parity in the series this season goes to show you you're not going to have to necessarily win this race to win all this money. So you're you're up against Mitchell and Keegan, who are both twenty three XI guys. I have to imagine that that there will be a little bit of you know coopetition, as Daryl Waltrip uh, used to say. So. I mean, I think your chances are good, but but what do you have to do to to go out there and win this thing? Is it better to be a, a lone horse in the William Byron stable, or would you like to have another teammate that you're racing for all that money? Uh, you know, Nick is working you know almost just as hard uh, with me as he did last year when he was in the championship four. So uh, I feel like it's it's definitely you know not a disadvantage. Uh, I'm not sure if it's an advantage necessarily. And then Bobby, who's on Steve's, uh, Steve Letarte's team, he also works with Mitchell and Keegan on setups. So basically, I'm really the lone horse here. You know, it's them three, and then it's me. So I'm very curious to see if they 
work together on their setup still and like run the exact same thing. Uh, you know, it could be really good or really bad for me. Uh, like they could not be as fast as me, for example. And, you know, that could be an advantage or, you know, they could be a lot faster and I could just, you know, be the slowest one and have to do, you know, some random strategy, you know, it, it could go, it could go either way, but I kind of entering this, I kind of, you know, hoped that this would happen instead of having three teams, it's basically two teams going for the championship. And what are you prepared to do for a hundred grand? I mean, the end of this thing. Now you guys, I know you guys race really clean in this series, but given the opportunity coming out of turn four, last lap, you can get a bumper to somebody. I got to imagine a hundred thousand dollars would, uh, would convince you to tap them a little bit. I think everyone's thinking the same thing. I mean, uh, you know, you look at Keegan in 2019, he gave Zach, you know, all, all the room in the world. He never touched him or anything and lost the championship. I think he kind of learned from that. And I think everyone else did too. And obviously now it's uh, $60,000 more for the championship. So I think if it did come down to the final corner, there would be some contact. I mean, the final corner is almost full throttle at this new Texas. So uh, <laughs> I don't I don't see much contact, but maybe in one and two on the last lap, uh, if it came down to it, I don't know. All right. So we know what you may or may not be willing to do to win a hundred grand. Now let's say you do win that 100 grand. What are you spending it on? I'm putting it away. I'm putting it away, maybe investing or something like that. Um, I like to be smart with, you know, big amounts of money like that. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, small things like upgrade my computer, for example, or, you know, just a couple small, small things, but I don't really have necessarily any plans to spend it on. Well, start an LLC. If you do win that way, you don't have to get like half the back. That's a little, little business tips. How much does a quarter panel cost, Corey? He could have his he could have his face on the hood of your car. <laughs> if he just said he's smart with his money, the last thing he wants to do is put his face <laughs> on my car. Now he's a fellow stacking penny. I will I would instruct him to not do that deal because it would not be very beneficial to him. <laughs> for anybody else, yes, but not for somebody who just wrecked their grandmother to win hundred grand in I race. I would not not think that. Maybe maybe buy a little Bitcoin. Who knows? You know, it's on the upwards sure you're up on all that sort of stuff because you're like you know a generation younger than merriman and myself so you know all the nfts and the all the all that stuff that merriman and i do not know well logan for all of us here stacking pennies wish you good luck and even your other three competitors Mitchell DeJong, keegan lee and bobby Zelinsky, they're all gonna be racing for 100 grand now like merriman mentioned earlier if the winner gets 100 grand the guy runs second gets 25 grand 15 grand and 10 so at least you're gonna be walking away with a little something so congrats on that but if anybody else wants to watch it, it will be Tuesday night, October 12th at 9 p.m. on enascard.com. So go check that out next Tuesday, guys. And let's cheer on our guy, Logan Clampett, to win this Coke series. And that's the eNASCAR segment refreshed by Coca-Cola. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, we're back. There you heard it from the championship Coke Series contender and Logan Clampett. Thanks for him to jumping on. We go from Talladega. Then we talk about E-Texas. I don't know if they like me calling it that. E-Texas. And now we're going to the Roval this weekend with a couple guys on the outside looking in, some of which we probably wouldn't be expecting, Chuck. How do you think it's going to go this weekend? 
I think it is going to be an interesting race. And I think that you've got a couple of guys like Bell, who's below the, the elimination line. I feel like he's in, a, he's in a good spot that he might be able to make up that gap. But you've got Kyle Busch right there flirting with the edge. He's up nine. Harvick's down nine. But then Bowman and Byron, like those guys, those two Hendrick guys, they got to win. They got to go out there and win. And I don't know if they can. I mean, they can. I don't know if they will. I mean, both of them guys have been in contention at the road courses. Now, Byron is super fast. And anytime we've been qualifying, he seems to be up front uh, on the stop or not. Those guys are more than a race worth of points out. I mean, with Byron minus 44 back and Bowman being 52 back, you can get all the stage points you want. It's going to take a win to get you that next level. Now, Harvick, you know, he doesn't stand out to me as a super fast roval guy. I'm not sure what his stats are, but – there was a there was some big implications this weekend that got to a couple guys torn up. So I think Chris Bell, he was good at the, the Daytona Road course. He'll be in contention as well. Um, but still, 28 points to the red is not a position those guys want to be in going in. So, you know, the, the Roval is as much of a wild card. I know we've seen Chase Elliott dominate, you know, drive head onto the fence in the turn one, drive from the back to the front multiple times, and, and he's won two of the last three. But it really truly is a wild card, especially if we get a little bit of weather. So, you know, a lot of stuff can change over the course of the day. And we might see one of them guys leapfrog their round into eight that are below the elimination line. They might be able to make that round of eight and somebody we're not expecting. Even Chase Elliott, only plus nine. It's not like he's, you know, feeling comfortable heading into uh, into, into the Robles this weekend, Jonathan. Yeah, no, it's tight. And I, th- I think the one to watch, like you guys talked about, was Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick. Harvick has not brought fast race cars to the track hardly at all this year. And Kyle Busch cannot have a clean race to save his life. So I think that's where your core battle is going to be barring catastrophe with a guy like chase or, or something like that. Heck even Larson's only like 20 some points up uh, on the field. The only person comfortable and safe is, is Denny. And, and, you know, he's got his, his feet are kicked up this weekend. He's just laughing at everybody. What's crazy looking at this is like the, the, the year that Larson's had with six wins, you know, he's damn near tied with Logano and Keselowski and they both won one race each, you know? So if one of the guys outside of, that's under the elimination line wins, then they're really only like 12 or 13 points to the good, the, the way that that works. So it's pretty, you know, Kyle Larson's one missed shift away from, from, you know, missing out on the next round. And you're also not going to be short pitting stages here either. Like you're getting stage points. Depends on your, it depends on your, where you're starting, right? Like Lugano Keselowski, they start one, two, and they'll have good, also good pit stalls, you know, where the five cars can, he's behind the ball on everything however many stages he's won this year, you know, 15 or more and six wins, you know, that's what gets him to the point where he can have a bad Talladega. But man, it's, I don't see anybody that feels comfortable going in there. Nobody is safe heading to the Roval. Sorry. Had to. Well, that's a great, that's a great headline, Chuck. And I would definitely click on that bait and read it all day. But let me, let me just hit you. And we, I, you know, we love talking about hypotheticals here. Um, I don't, but y'all do. That's what you get paid to do. Let's just say that William Byron, is leading two to go and chase Elliott or Larson in a Hendrick E Hendrick duo for the win. Do you think that one of those guys makes a move to put a William Byron or Alex Bowman out of the playoffs or are they content to get both cars in the round of eight? I think it depends on situation. Uh, I, but I don't think there's going to be any F1 to pull over for and let our guy buy, you know, but there's definitely going to be, 
a lot of awareness that needs to take place in a situation like that. What was that word that uh, that Merriman just used that DW said in that past interview? Oh, co-opetition. There is a little bit of co-opetition in every sense of the word, and there might be a little bit of co-opetition at Roval this weekend. I would love to see a little bit of rain. It kind of made it for interesting the first little bit stage last year. Some guys were on hashtag sprinkle tires. Some guys were on dries, and it got a little crazy. Got a little crazy. I don't think Flores wants to see that rain. Hey, dude, if you did the Xfinity race last year, you don't want to see rain. It went from being wet and cool to being freezing cold <laughs> and standing in three inches of water all day. It was not fun. Well, I'm in the car, so I would just mod- I would just plow through those uh, hydroplane puddles and throw caution That's to the right. wind. So I'm interested to see this weekend what we got going on at the Roval. Obviously, the restarts are so tight and people are juking and jiving. A lot of a lot of cars getting spun off track because the course is narrow. I think for a spectator, it's one of the one of the cooler ones to watch because it's all in front of you the entire time. Now, do I love it? Are there some more purpose-built road courses out there that probably be a better fit for a cup car? Maybe so. But this is what Bruton and Marcus want to do. And uh, and they continue to support the sport as well, and they're doing some big things. So I don't know. I'm I'm a now that I'm getting slightly better at road courses, I kind of like the robo a little bit. I used to like hate it. Like Bubba mentioned, he hated it because I think there's been three races there, and he's probably crashed four cars in those three races. Uh, he doesn't like it, but now he's got a little confidence, and I've got a little bit of confidence too. So I might make a little noise this weekend, Merriman. I mean, cars wrecking are loud. <laughs> So, wow. Do, do what? Wow. I, I didn't, I didn't. He said cars that wreck are loud. That's noise. That's the noise you might uh, be making. Oh, okay. yeah. That went right over yeah. my head. Yeah. I, I love you, anyways. <laughs> I appreciate that. How about this? Instead of making some picks, we're going to help out our listeners this week with some jackpot races, try to win $25,000. How about that? What's the first second? Well, uh, we would, but it seems that the. Uh, that the app is not working on my phone right now. Oh, 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 it just popped up. Hell yeah. What, what do you that? got? All right. Stay or group one. Kyle Larson, Martin Truex, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, AJ Allmendinger. He won the last uh, road course inside of an oval and the cup series. So they, you know, puts him up there. I don't know. I feel like Truex, I feel like Martin Truex has been making a lot of noise the past couple of weeks. I feel like he needs to either get the momentum going or their championship chances are going to look dire him and jimmy were the reason why ryan blaney and ryan flores won the first roval race there uh because they were both racing hard for the lead so i think if martin truex isn't strong and yet he advances into the round of eight i just don't see a whole lot of momentum out of that 19 team lately they haven't been making a lot of noise um but i i would go with the 19 this weekend i think they're gonna be pretty strong you know i'm gonna go with uh i think the odds are against anybody to win three races in a row at a racetrack but i don't know Till somebody beats Chase Elliott at the Roval, I'm taking Chase Elliott. His car, dude, they've got something dialed in with that. I mean, Alan Gustafson's got that nine car with either the feel that Chase wants or something that ain't nobody else has got because that sucker has a different attitude than everybody else's. It swaps directions and Chase gets on the wheel, but that nine car is super fast, especially at the Roval. All right, group two, Joy Logano, Kevin Harvick, William Byron, Alex Bowman, Brad Keselowski, and Kyle Busch. See, I I do like Alex Bowman. Um, but Joey's one of the guys that always kind of hangs around and finishes top five, top three, especially in high pressure situations. He seems to do well. So this is a track that's, that's pretty good for him. So if it was my money, I would be safe and go with the 22. Not a bad pick, man. I do feel like William Byron's backs up against the wall. And I think it's going to show you what kind of tenacity he has. And I don't think he's had that opportunity in his career to kind of like 
you know, have like a stamp on his career. I think that this could be his weekend to make a big statement for what Rick Hendrick hired him, you know, three years ago, hoping he would be able to do is, is make a deep run of the playoffs. And he's going to need a win to do that. And he said it in his interview after Talladega, you know, they got to go win. Um, so it would be a huge stamp on William Byron's career if he can get in victory lane. I think that would, that would prove a lot to a lot of people if he can uh, – kind of throw the catch the Hail Mary and, and punch that 24th team ticket into the round of eight. Hometown kid gets the win at the hometown track. I like, I mean, not necessarily the win, but he needs to get the win. But I, I was eyeballing uh, Byron as well. Yep. I, I would hang with 24 car myself in that group too, personally. Marion, what's next? All right. Group three, Kurt Busch, Tyler Reddick, Austin Dillon, Christopher Bell, Ross Chastain, or Chase Briscoe. Briscoe's an interesting uh, – Interesting case here. New pops, new dad. He's got the dad shoes. New dad. Can we just give his wife a shout out, Marissa, for being in labor for thirty six hours? Oh my! Like, she gosh. also tweeted she was ready for uh, another one yesterday. She tweeted she was ready for another one. Well, wait till that baby finds its voice. She'll be tweeting something else here in the next couple of weeks. It takes about <laughs> six weeks for that thing to realize. The louder it cries, the more people are looking at it, wanting to shut it up. So yes, I will. I am with Chase. I don't know, man. New new dad, you don't get much sleep, so maybe he won't be quite rested up. You got to take all factors in consideration this weekend. So I would not be betting on Chase now. Could go the other way. He could be motivated now. He's got an extra mouth to feed. He's got to get up on the wheel. So who knows? Who knows, Chuck? We know that you're picking the one, <laughs> Chuck Bush. I'm going to take the one. I'm going to take Kurt Bush. You're taking I like second that one. cousin, yeah. Kurt Bush. I got to go. Hey, see you tomorrow. Bring your big boy pants. It's going to be a fun day. Yeah, man. Miriam, who you got? I like Tyler Reddick, to be honest with you. Um, he's reckless. I think he's just reckless enough to be good at the Roval. Uh, all right, group four, Eric Almarola, Michael McDowell, Chris Busher, Ricky Stenhouse, Bubba Wallace, and Matt DiBenedetto. I mean, man, I, I hate to be a homer, but I feel like Matt has been pretty good at road courses and, you know, the Wood Brothers, Penske Alliance, their cars will be pretty good. So, I, you know, with that group and Matt's um, – you know, kind of tenure there coming to an end. I think that they could have a strong, strong run. Yeah. So read that out. What that last one, one more time? All right. We, oh, 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 I lost it. Never mind. Because I think the winner's going to come out of those, those first two rounds. I mean, it's going to be either a Gibbs car or a Hendrick car. That's, that's really and truly what it is. I feel like Gibbs cars make more mechanical grip where I feel like, you know, Hendrick's got some strong power. So it's going to be a mix of both. And both of them guys are going to be. The four Gibbs cars are going to be up there in the top 12. The four Hendrick cars, because two of them have to be, are going to be up there in the top 10 all day. So it's really going to be, you know, and you'll have a Team Penske car sprinkled in there as well. It's going to be a battle of big teams, just like it has been all year. Because if your name's not Kevin Harvick, like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, and you don't drive for Gibbs or Hendrick or Team Penske, then you're not in the playoffs. So I would continue to look for those three big teams to assert their dominance here this weekend at the Roval. Okay, guys, back as always. Penny, for your thoughts. I'm starting to enjoy seeing some of these tweets pop up with the hashtag on Twitter. Penny, for your thoughts. You guys are sending in some good questions, and Janie here, since Chuck left us, Janie's going to ask them. What do you got, Janie? All right, the first one is coming from Jonathan Outen. Corey LaJoy, how do you get your locks so luscious? Any products you use for the top or the back? 
It's a great question. You know, standard old shampoo. I don't have any shampoo in particular. I just use whatever the wife uses. If there's any shampoo and or conditioner companies out there that want to do do a deal, as I mentioned on NBC, that avenue of my personal service agreements are open. Shampoo and conditioner, nothing crazy. It's just naturally this luscious. It's a little confusing that he says the top or the back as if you would use two different ones for both. You know what really aggravates me and what's it's probably going to come back and bite me in the ass now that I'm saying on the podcast, when people call it a mullet, it's not a mullet. It is a flow. A mullet is when it's, when it's cut on top. Granted, I wear hats, so you can't really tell, but it's not a mullet. Flores' kid has a mullet. Who? Flores. His kid was running around with a mullet. Prue definitely has a mullet. It's a natural mullet. It has just grown in like that. His hair has never been cut, and it's a natural mullet. It looks like Merriman's in the front and Corey's in the back. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. So, yes, mine is a flow because my wife, if it had been a mullet, would not let that fly. So, yes, luscious flow. All right, moving on. Patrick Everett asks, so stepping on a Lego hurts like hell. What's it like to kneel on a lug nut? I'll let Ryan answer this one. Um, so kneeling on a lug nut, really, anytime you get hit with a lug nut or kneel on a lug nut, it is not good. We hang, did on, see, hang on, hang we on, did, hang on. How, how fast, guesstimate, is a lug nut spinning when it comes off your gun? 11,000 RPM. It's a round, that's a round number. A video surfaced of Justin Edel, the front tire carrier, or the tire carrier on the 17, Roush put in slow-mo. He got smacked in the face. Why these cowboys wear open-face helmets when they're jumping out in front of cars, I'll never know. But I wear full-face helmet because I've been hit in the face with lug nuts uh, like that before. At mile and a half, getting hit in the face with lug nuts sucks. What sucks at places like Martinsville, and this has happened to your point of kneeling on a lug nut, is like when a 400-degree lug nut comes off, and goes into your knee pad, right? And then you run to the left side and kneel on it, and it's burning your knee as you already just crashed into it when you landed. The way that it works, when you knee on a lug nut or get hit in a lug nut or take a valve stem to the hand when you're, you know, in practice, you do it so much throughout the week. You're, you know, if you're practicing two, three days a week, then racing two days a week, it never heals. So it just keeps hurting. The worst one I've seen, Martinsville, Coleman Dollarhide, rear tire changers, one of Stuart Haas cars had his fire suit unzipped a little bit at the top. Hot lug nut in the top, down near his waist area. Yep, and stayed down there uh, until he was able to get his fire suit off and get it out. I bet you that was the fastest pit stop he's ever finished in his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I saw saw one um, end up behind the head sock and burn a guy's face. So it is uh, lug nuts are pesky for sure. Those damn nuts are pesky. How often are you kneeling on a lug nut? How often does that actually happen? It happens probably more in practice, but it will happen uh, in the race. Everybody's pretty good about, um, you know, getting them out of the way. Green flag stops, you'll you'll have them kind of get in weird uh, places, but you do so many more stops in practice a year that it, more, it, more, it is more apt to happen in practice and then hurt the rest of the day. What else you got, Danny? All right. Last one. Patrick Berger asks, so at the super speedways, do teams still wrap the cars or do they paint them? I thought I read that they painted the cars for super speedways. Um, well, the, the age old saying used to be, you could you'd wrap it and then you just clear it multiple times just to get the edges of the decals smooth. But now 
the teams have got the wrap so good that only the a couple stickers here and there aren't printed into the vinyl. You know, I'm sure some bigger teams that are going for overall speed probably clear over that even to give it another flat surface. But when the team presents the car to the racetrack, they have to go with the deck lid bare carbon because there were some guys with some shenanigans putting a bunch of Bondo on it to make the blades shorter and a bunch of stuff. So now you have to actually wrap the deck lid after tech at the racetrack. So I don't know how many guys are painted sides. You know, I thought there was a deal in Henry contract back in the day. They had to paint cars with uh, Exalta, but I think a majority of them now are the decals and the numbers and the sponsors and all are built into the wrap. So it's all smooth. So it really takes away the need to have to clear the cars for the speedways. One thing that I can add to that, that I do know is that like when I was at Storehouse years ago, the only one that we would clear over was the Daytona 500 car for Daytona 500 qualifying because everything was an impound after that. So you really only wanted your car um, that slick for qualifying, right? Like you saw Justin Haley's Xfinity car, you know, get a penalty this weekend because they had illegal decals because they, people use the decals and build them up or make them, the, the wrap flip up to trip the air. So that is something that, you know, that people have figured out how to manipulate the wrap to change the aerodynamics of your car. So I think there was, you know, some questions about the 17s camera this weekend. You can kind of see the wrap coming up there. And that is, uh, that is something that should be mentioned. I'll give you a little more credit than just being a pit crew boob. You were in the wind tunnel and aero department of Sewer Haas. So how much does a little decal so like what the story was in the 11 xfinity car they used like thick motocross vinyl like the really thick durable vinyl and cut their leaf filter decals on the back of the roof let's just say that it's a 16th of an inch right how much does that trip of an edge affect the air going to the blade yeah i've always felt like super speedway stuff when you, you some people just get so wrapped up in it like just getting little stuff right because it's kind of a fun game like oh we can do this we can do that I, the the risk that you're running there versus the reward that you you're using to go through tech does not like never add it up to me but i don't run these race teams obviously it's worth something right chris rice and them guys are not going to put it on their cars if it's not worth something it's tried and true they're not just winging it like they're at you know, um, South, you know, Chris Rice's South Boston Speedway, you know, they have wind tunnel time, but you, you go into the wind tunnel and you work on stuff and work on stuff. And if this shows three counts better and repeats, then you're going to put it on your car because you want the best possible, you know, the best possible car that you can bring to the racetrack. So obviously it showed something in their tunnel. When you're talking about those races, you know, they turn in, they turn in a handling race. You saw some guys that had speed, but they didn't handle, you know, 10 laps into a run. So you kind of want to build a little bit of downforce into your car. I want to build a little downforce in the car, but you also want to stack them pennies all over the course of the car. You know, somebody else who stacks the pennies this week and is the penny stacker of the week, Mr. Michael Bostick. You know why? Because he proposed to his girlfriend behind my car in the garage this weekend at Talladega. So congratulations to him and his now fiance, Michael Bostick, you are the penny stacker of the week, which leads us to the last little bit of spare change today. We didn't talk much about the Xfinity race. We didn't talk much about the truck race. First time winners. Um, We'd love to talk more about that, but we're not talking about that. By the time you're listening to this, we're probably in the middle of the first annual kickball classic right here in Kannapolis, North Carolina. So if you listen to this and if Janie can put it out between noon and two o'clock, you have time. 
to load your kids up, to come on out. By about 4.30, 5 o'clock, you can witness the championship game of the kickball tournament, as well as starting sharply at 6 p.m., the celebrity game. I have all of our buddies coming out, Joey Logano, the man you just listened to, Talladega winner Bubba Wallace himself will be coming out to play, Ryan Blaney, Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch, all the people you love to hate. We'll be out here, Atrium Health Ballpark, 6 p.m., Wednesday night, October 6th, and there will be a concert with the Drys and Pryor and Lee will be closing, wrapping it up, having a good time with that be concession stands, cold beer, Jonathan Merriman, ice cold takes will even be out. You might be able to meet him uh, for a highly sought after interview. So there's no telling who you're going to bump into on Wednesday night, uh, but it's going to be a hell of a good time. I'm excited because it will be tomorrow, which will be today as you're listening to this. So if you're in town for the Roval, come check that out. It's 10 bucks per ticket. And that's on CoreyLaJoyRacing.com. So go buy a ticket or you can just buy when you get here. It's 10 bucks because 100% of the proceeds will benefit the Canapolis Y as well as Samaritan's Feet. So it's all going to a good cause. It's for the kids, man. It's for the kids. Come on out, hang out, have a cold beer, eat a hot dog, you know, have some fun with us. See y'all at the Kickball Classic, fueled by Bill Wednesday night. And thank you for again for listening to Stacking Panties. Rate, review, subscribe, all the good stuff, and send it in your Twitter questions. Hashtag Penny for your thoughts. Talk to y'all next week after the road.